1: I wonder if we can pet him. Hi, boy. Can we touch him? No, don't. Help me. Help. Help. Good morning. Good morning. Professor Ward Scott here in the Warthog Manly Command Center inside the piney woods of north central Florida in the Melon Law Studio 352 325 3938. And we are in God's country here, of course. Uh, the last bastion, if you will, of common sense. We are going to bring you a great show today. Got a great guest lined up. We've got a little storm coming through here. If the unforeseeable should be foreseeable and we do drop the power for whatever reason, we have backup generators here at the command center. We will probably be off for about five minutes or so while we reboot. So bear with us, that's just the worst case scenario. Uh, We've been talking a lot about privacy on this uh, show. We've been the victims of an invasion of our privacy, if you will, when we have triggered some algorithm that's resulted in a, uh, a, a violation of so called community standards, which are not very well defined and are capricious and arbitrary in their application. Uh, we've got uh, all kinds of things that have been dealt a hand to us individually and collectively, particularly in the state of Florida. And we're going to talk really briefly just um, about Zuckerberg for a moment and what's happened, because I've got some data. That just came in yesterday that I've shared with my guest, Mitchell Shaw, whom you first met when I was out and Tim Martin was the show host, and uh, Mitchell was a very impressive guest. He has uh, joined us today. His expertise really, as he uh, uh, has said to me, is privacy, and he's um, been researching quite a bit. But before we get down the road of privacy, which we'll never get off of because we've lost it, uh, I wanted to share some information with you about an update I got yesterday about Zuckerbucks. Now, you know we covered Zuckerbucks here in Alachua County and our supervisor elections. There were about four dollars or $500,000 that were gifted in a so-called grant, which didn't need much auditing, and uh, that got spent by the discretion of the Democrat supervisor elections. Well, it turns out uh, there is a very close to a perfect match of Democratic-Advantage counties and Zuckerberg's supervisor of election grants uh, we have done some research on this um, some people at Politico have helped do this research and uh, we've made the uh, news of course at Politico and Newsmax with this issue um, and that doesn't surprise any of us uh, how do it know you know how do it know where to put the money and, and you know it didn't succeed overall in the state of Florida but you know we don't know about the votes on down the line. Uh, For example, particularly uh, the secretary of agriculture here, which was uh, really snafu, sort of surprise. So just thought I'd start off the conversation today with um, giving you that update that there is very close to a perfect match of Democratic advantage counties and Zuckerberg supervisor election grants. Um, Duval and Orange got left out and Brevard, Hernando Lake and Wakula snuck in. So um, uh, there you are. That's from the 2020 presidential Florida results. I want to introduce Mitchell Shaw to you. Um, he is coming to us from uh, his studio in North Carolina today. So, um, Mitch, how you doing, brother? I'm doing well, Ward. It's great to be back
0: on the show. Thanks for having me, brother.
1: Well, thanks for coming on and being such a, a, a team player here in our study, if you will. I'm coming at always from the professor point of view, if you will, uh, the issues that are concerning all of us and um, I've just done a little bit of research and I'll maybe use this as kind of a springboard for us to talk about. Um, It's um, quite an issue. Pew Research has taken a look at this and six in 10 US adults say they do not think it's possible to go through daily life without having data collected about them by companies or the government. Um, 81% of the public says that the potential risks they face because of data collection by companies outweighs the benefits. Um, Just jumping around here, And I'm sure you'll have a response for all these Uh, fully 90 percent of Americans say they're never asked to approve privacy policies. They just do it. They don't really understand it. Uh, Reading it doesn't mean they have read it thoroughly or understand it. Um, There's a general lack. And this is one place we may uh, look at and start with. Of course, it's your uh, expertise here. Uh, There's a general lack of understanding about data privacy laws among the general public have you found that to be the case Mitchell
0: oh my gosh uh Ward the very first episode of my podcast which is called subtly enemy of the surveillance state because I I didn't want to wear it right on my sleeve right so (laughs) um I I called my show enemy of the surveillance state because I, I did all kidding aside I wanted to indicate right up front they have made themselves our enemies uh, it's time that we acknowledge the role that we play as their enemies. Uh, if we love and value privacy, then we have become enemies of the surveillance state. So, But in the very first episode, I, I dealt with this question because this is the question I get all the time. Mitch, I don't have anything to hide. Why do I care if they're you know, cataloging my browsing history and my searches? Why do I care if they see my emails and texts? I'm not doing anything. I don't have anything to hide. And, you know, it's when you talked about um, uh, accepting terms of service and what have you, I forget what, what your number was six out of 10 or something like that, that you just read uh, that said that they either don't understand it or uh, ne- don't remember explicitly giving uh, permission for, for that data collection. <clears throat> That's not surprising. Uh, there was a comedian a while back that did this, uh, this bit on installing software. And he was like, yeah. You're like approve, approve, approve. At first, you're reading it right, but you know three pages in, you're just like approve, 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 and then it catches you. It's like, oh, that's right. Scroll down, approve. Firstborn child, sure, approve. Because at this point, you're invested. You just want to install the stupid piece of software and get on with the task that you were trying to perform. And these are called click contracts and and different things like that. But basically, it's that you just click a button. And here's the thing, Microsoft's terms of service are a perfect example of this. I forget how many thousands of words, I think it's 41,000 words. If you printed it, it would be 110 pages, 110 pages. And it's written in legalese. What what people would really have to do if they wanted to actually give consent, because consent um, implies understanding. I cannot... Truly consent to that which I do not fully understand. I think most people would agree on that. Uh, the even even the left, even the snowflakes agree on that, where sexuality is concerned, right? That you consent, right? Uh, so, you know, if if, if I'm drunk, I, I can't consent. If I'm if I'm drugged, I can't consent. Uh, if I don't understand the legalese behind these documents is that really consent? Did I enter into a contractual agreement, legally speaking, that allows Microsoft or Facebook or whoever to harvest my data? If I, can I do that unless I really understand it? So what people would need to do is they would need to hire an attorney, Ward, to sit down beside them while they go through these contracts, because that's what it is, basically terms of service or a contract, and you're saying, I agree, right? so you'd have to hire an attorney at umpteen hundred dollars an hour to sit beside you as you scroll through this stuff and explain to you exactly what it, what you're giving up versus what you're gaining if you click i agree and i think if most people did that they simply wouldn't agree because microsoft's terms of service using it just as an example again At the end of all of that, what you wind up with is Microsoft has gained your permission. If you're using any Microsoft product at all, whether it's Windows Operating System, Microsoft Office, uh, Microsoft Email, any of that stuff, anything, if it's a Microsoft product and you've agreed to their terms of service, you have agreed that they own your data and they're just kind enough to let you use it. And I'm not exaggerating at all. Uh, On a Windows computer, by the way, they actually have the right, because you clicked, I agree, so they assert the right, I'll put it that way, they assert the right to browse the files on your computer, make copies of those on their servers, and share them if they have "quote a good faith reason to believe that doing so is necessary. Right? They can also browse the files on your computer and delete anything that they think they should delete. I've heard multiple stories of people who play a lot of games, <clears throat> gamers, they're, they're called, um, and they will wake up one morning and go to fire up a game they were just playing yesterday and find that it's simply no longer on their computer because Microsoft suspected that they had a pirated copy of that game. So Microsoft just deleted it from their computer while they were asleep at night. Amazing. So, yeah. Yeah. These are our big tech masters. And before we move on, uh, I assume that next we're going to move into the Zuckbucks thing. Yes, sir. We so, can definitely so, go there. So we have to ask ourselves, uh, You know, what are they doing with these? Because they don't harvest our data because they're just nosy. They are nosy. But beyond that, it is so that they can share this information with their partners who pump ads your way every time you turn around right? It's all about the great green God. It's all about making that buck. And so you're using these products and services for free, usually. Now, you pay for Microsoft Windows. You have to pay for uh, Microsoft Office. But a lot of these services, Facebook, Twitter, these things are free, right? You You don't pay to use them. But when you're all done using them, what you find out is that the product is not the product your data are the products, right? And data is plural. So I know I sound insane saying data are, but there we go. Uh, Your data, that's what they're after. They're after your data because they can sell that multiple times to different partners and make all this money. So the question is, what are they doing with the money that they make out of stealing your data and selling it off piece by piece? Well, Mark Zuckerberg, To the tune of $9 million in Wisconsin alone was using it to bribe voters. That's what a special counsel in Wisconsin said about Zuck Bucks. They, They want to charge Mark Zuckerberg and his foundation, as it were, with violating bribery laws as it relates to voting in Wisconsin. So that's part of what they're doing with all this money that they're harvesting from harvesting your data. They're just raking in this money. Look at Google. Google makes billions and billions of dollars a year giving away their services. Nobody pays for Google services. Oh, You may have upgraded your Google Drive to a larger uh, capacity or something like that, but you can use Google Maps, Google Calendar. Okay, Google on your phone you can use all these things for free. You can do web searches for free. All of this stuff is free. They give away Chromebooks to schools all over the country. Why are they doing this? How can they give all that stuff away and make billions of dollars? Because the stuff isn't the point. Data is the point.
1: You know, data has become such a uh, a ubiquitous word that we just hired a new basketball coach here. And the feature of his approach to the game is data-driven. Oh, yes. Uh, The first coach, Mitch, I've heard that used to describe his coaching philosophy. I guess it's a time that's come, you know, and the college and university here is proudly saying, wow, we now have a competitive edge. We've got a data-driven basketball coach. We also have the same... (coughs) Talk about our new football coach. That's data-driven. Everything is studied. Every habit, every tendency, uh, is anticipated and addressed without perhaps even the player knowing that the player has that behavior. Which is most interesting because the you, the data-driven observer knows more about the behavior of the player than the player knows about him or herself. And 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 then we're able to mold, if you will. And this coaching world is a particularly interesting place to focus for a moment, since it's all over the news. Uh, We're able then to focus on tailor-making an attractive package for this individual. And I'll tell you where it's come into play, Mitch. We now have something called the transfer portal. And these athletes no longer are at the, uh, they're not tied to the coach who recruited them. If they don't like that college, they can enter that transfer portal and leave and go to another one, furthermore, they can uh, advertise themselves in name, what's called name, image, or likeness. And they can actually auction themselves off to the highest bidder. And so this has become the way in which college athletics is being conducted right now. And it's even drifting down into the high school athletic world. And it's all quote, unquote, data driven. (laughs)
0: <laughs> you know, when, it's funny, Ward, because when you talked about, um, and, and look, I, I want to say from, from the outset before I even address that, uh, data by itself is amoral. It's neither here nor there. It's neither right nor wrong. Um, I, I compare things like this to a hatchet. Uh, if I use a hatchet to chop firewood for my grandmother, then the hatchet is a very good thing. If I use that same hatchet to chop my grandmother, then the hatchet is a very bad thing. But the hatchet hasn't changed at all. Right. It's all about whose hands it's in and what they're doing with it, right? So data all by themselves. Data just – and I, you know, I'll, I'll singularize that so that I don't sound insane. I'll say data all by itself. <laughs> but data all by itself is neither here nor there. It's um, So if you've got a, a, a basketball coach that says, well, look, we're going to look at the uh, – the video from the last 3011 games. And, you know, we're going to look at what we're doing differently. And then we're going to also uh, really look at these other teams and see what they're doing and then come up with a plan. You know, maybe that makes sense. Where it gets creepy is one thing you said a moment ago, that it may be habits that those players themselves don't even know they have. And in that, going back again to that very first episode of my podcast, the title of that, by the way, was Why Surveillance Matters even if you have nothing to hide, right? One of the things that I point out in that is that they are able to create a startlingly accurate profile of who you actually are. Because maybe, Ward, maybe you're a better person than I am. I doubt that when I say what I'm about to say, okay? But maybe, maybe you never actually lie to yourself about your own motives or ambitions. I do. Uh, You know, we we don't know ourselves, right? Right. But the data, the data knows us because the data doesn't listen to our excuses or our ostensible reasons for why we do what we do. The data just know what we do, right? So when you've got these people that have the ability to harvest that data and read it for what it is, and they've got algorithms that crunch that data and return back to them An answer about your personality your beliefs your desires your ambitions even your thoughts that you may not even be honest with yourself about the machine suddenly knows you better than you know yourself and the guy that controls the machine has his hands on that information about you
1: we have a question coming in and i suspect the answer is yes is mass surveillance increasingly the norm it is. In fact,
0: uh, I wrote an article for the New American Magazine. Oh my gosh, Ward, this would have been back in like 2014 or 15, and I forget the judge's name now. It'll come to me, but I can't remember his name now. He is cited. He is. He is known as quote the most cited jurist in the 21st century. But I can't think of his name. He said point blank, privacy is overrated. What have you got something to hide, right? And as I As a generation comes up, because here's one thing interesting to think about. September 11th was 21 years ago, Ward. Yes. 9-11 was 21 years ago. So 21 years ago, the world changed. 21 years ago, we all who were older by then knew what it was to live in a world where privacy was the norm. If you've grown up since 9-11, 2001 since the terrorist attacks at the World Trade Center, the Pentagon, and that field in Pennsylvania. If you've grown up since then, you've never known privacy, and you've never really known freedom. You've never known what it is not to have to get naked, scanned, or groped at the airport, and you've never known what it is not to expect that your email communications, your phone calls, your texts, and everything else are being monitored and surveilled. So yeah, I think it has become a norm. But the corollary to that, uh, for the person asking the question, the corollary to that is that there's actually more pushback now than there ever has been, because as that surveillance has come more and more into the light, thank God for Ed Snowden and, you know, think what you want to about Ed Snowden. I think he's a hero. I don't agree with everything about him. Uh, his moral life is, is kind of weird. Okay. Uh, I'm not a big Ed Snowden fan, but I'm a big fan of what Ed Snowden did to reveal for the rest of us what our government was doing that I'm not a fan of. So this might be an instance of uh, my, my enemy's enemy is my friend, but, but in this case, I think Ed Snowden's probably a decent guy. But because of that, there is more pushback as more people are becoming aware. Um, my, my, my podcast sort of breaks some rules, and I don't think it's because I produce such a great podcast. I don't think it's because I'm so riveting and interesting. I I don't think it's that. I think that the content that I'm addressing is something people are so hungry for. That uh, Because when we moved here to to North Carolina, um, I wound up going five months without posting an episode uh, of what's supposed to be a weekly podcast. So for my listeners out there, thanks for staying around. But one day in those five months, Ward, I had zero downloads. Every other day, I plugged along like I was posting episodes. People were still downloading material that was a year old to listen to it. Um, it, It's something that people want to know how to protect their privacy. So it it has become the norm. But at the same time, because people recognize that, there's a little bit of pushback. And, and, And that's an increasing amount of pushback with people trying to figure out what they can do. Just do a search, uh, go online and, and do a, a, an internet search for de-Google, de-Google my life, de-Googled phone, de-Googled this, de-Googled that. It pops up everywhere. Everybody is looking for
1: this. We have another question uh, and I don't know the answer to this. It's very early in the ball game here. Um, what happens when you connect the surveillance states knowing the individual is smart munitions in a hot war um i'm not sure i understand that question let me see if it's more yeah do you understand that mitch i i don't think i do understand the question can you read it again what happens when you connect the surveillance states quote knowing the individual end quote with smart munitions in a hot war uh nothing good is my prediction i'm not sure what that Ah. means
0: Okay so so the first part of that question is what do we do with the surveillance state's being able to know people the the fact that the surveillance state can know people better than they know themselves right and then the idea of smart munitions in a hot war um I, you know I, I don't know that that they've yet got bullets that have your dna on them that they could just turn that thing loose uh, like in that old uh, movie with uh oh uh, richard Simmons. Uh, no richard uh oh gosh Gene Gene Simmons played in a movie back in the eighties. The guy from Kiss, the, the guitar player from Kiss, or whatever. Uh, no, he was the singer. Uh, played in a movie back in the eighties where they had these bullets that were trained to your DNA, and they could just pull the trigger, and oh, that bullet would no. go behind you no matter where you were. Now I don't know that we've got that, but you know, can they can they target? I mean, we've got with with the technological capabilities we've got right now, we could put a, a missile. Uh, Into the tailpipe of somebody's car if we wanted to. I mean, not hit their car, hit their tailpipe. I I know we could, right? So when they know what they know about us, uh, you know, could could we become targets? Sure. Uh, You know, I I don't want to be an alarmist and I don't want to sound like an alarmist because one thing about sounding like an alarmist uh, is it doesn't even matter if you're right. You still just sound like an alarmist, right? (laughs) Uh, There is. There is a difference between eye contact and a piercing maniacal stare when you're sharing information (laughs) with people. And I try to avoid the latter. So, uh, but I will say that I, I, I am concerned and I think everyone should be concerned about the idea that you could become that other group, right? So throughout history, and here's all you gotta look at, just throughout history, once we other someone, and I'm using the word other there as a verb to mean we turn them into something different from us. And we saw this very recently. If you weren't vaccinated, you were other, right? You right. were outside of society looking in you, you, with your face pressed up against the glass. Uh, oh, this, this looks fun in there. I wish I could join in. Right. So once we other someone, we can just dispatch them at will, uh, Hitler was able to do that with the Jews by and large. He was able to do that with Catholics by and large, um, and we see this throughout history. It's not just Hitler. Hitler's a great example. We always pick on him, and, and not that he doesn't deserve it. The heck with him! But at the same time, there are many other examples. Stalin was great at that. Uh, throughout history, not even recent history, but go back as far as you want to go. Uh, you know, when when Rome burned and it was blamed on the Christians, they were made other, and the persecutions were able to crank up exponentially. So if we find ourselves in the group of other, uh, then we ought to be concerned. And it's going to be a little late then to learn to communicate privately. So my advice uh, is to learn that stuff now and hope that it's like a life insurance policy or a seat belt or a fire extinguisher. Hey, I've got it and I know how to use it, but it's never come in handy. Let's hope that's the case, right? But that's not the case because it comes in handy every time you communicate privately because that's one more conversation, that's one more web search, that's one more website that you visited, one more document that you wrote or read that they don't know about, that doesn't go into the profile that they are creating about you. That's just one thing they don't know. So when I started,
1: oh, go ahead. No, I'm just going to uh, refresh everybody. We're talking to Mitchell Shaw here, who has really uh, been on the show before with Tim Martin, who is, uh, writes for New America and other publications, has his own podcast. And we're f- really featuring a discussion today. I wanted Mitchell to chime in on this because he's been studying it a long time. And that is what is really going on in our society mm-hmm. with these algorithms and privacy and data collection and all the above. Uh, questions coming in quite furiously here. You can get me at 352-325-3938 uh we'll go another five minutes to uh, take a break and come back so anything you got on your mind also reading the facebook chat uh one of the things that i've been asked quite i'll, t- I'll give you a story mitch i'm sure you know but i was sitting in the car i was sitting actually in my truck one day with a guy let's say let's put it this way he is really good at surveillance human surveillance i mean he's a he's a guy that mostly nobody knows about and He can gather habits by human eye. He does it, but he is kind of reporting to me. And we were sitting in a parking lot of all places at Walmart with all these other cars around us. And he looked at me and he says, I really don't want to talk here. Do you have uh, uh, Siri on your radio? I said, well, sure. I said, well, you know, Siri can hear other things, too. And, you know, we've got Alexa and all these things. Is there truth to that? Can those devices
0: listen in on us? Absolutely. In fact, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you two quick stories. Uh, now, We've got how long till the break? Oh, well, well we can take the break when we want to, so we'll take it after Okay, time. well, then, then I will tell you both of these stories. So one is personal. Uh, I was sharing some of this information with a friend years ago who shall remain nameless, uh, and he said, oh, come on, Mitch. I was like, no, 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 because we weren't even talking about Siri. We're talking about that, like, okay, Google thing on your phone. Right. Uh Like if you've got an Android phone and you've got uh, now, I think it's called Google Assistant or something like that. But back in the day, uh, it was just okay Google. And so you would just say, okay Google, and and you'd say, how many inches are there in a mile? And Google would come (laughs) back and just list all these results for you on the screen of your phone. Unlike Siri. Uh, Google didn't answer you out loud way back then. I I don't I don't mess with Google products anymore. I think Google Assistant now actually speaks out loud to you, right? But so uh, what I said to my friend was I said, Listen, how does it know you said okay, Google? He said, because it listens for that phrase. I said, Stop. It listens. He's like, Mitch, you're making too much of it. I said, Okay, let me show you <laughs> something. Let, let me show you something. So went over to his, his computer. And he, I had him log into his Google account. And then I started poking around inside his Google account. Now, not google.com. It's, it's something.google.com forward slash a million other things. And they keep moving it around because they're required to make this data available to you, but they're not going to make it easy for you to find it, right? So we, we dug around for about 10 minutes. and I finally found the recordings that they had from his phone. And you hear a lot of, I don't know, let me find out. Okay, Google, because it has to be listening before you say, okay, Google, right? It has to be, or it doesn't know you said, okay, Google. So that first couple of seconds before that are part of the recording that they store, right? So you hear a lot of him going, I don't know, let me find out. Okay, Google. And then you hear one where he says to his wife, if you'll shut up for a second, I'll find (laughs) out. And I played that out loud on his computer. Oh, no. And I said, Google knows that you tell your wife to shut up. I didn't even know that. I thought y'all got along just fine, right? Oh, so God. so just like that, he was like, okay, um, you know, maybe I do say and do some things that I would like to keep private, right? <laughs> right? So the other one, and this didn't happen to me, but I wrote about it years ago. Alexa, Alexa, uh, th- there was a story about a woman and her husband. Now, her husband owns some kind of construction company that has uh, subsidiaries and, and employees all across the country, probably sales folk that, that go around and help him sell his product, right? So this, this man and his wife are having a conversation in their home. Now, it's important Before I go any further to say that the article stated that they had an Alexa dot. That's the little satellite thing that you can put in different rooms that communicates Uh back to your main Alexa unit. Uh, They had a dot in every room in their house. (laughs) Let that sink in. That means their bedroom that oh. means their bathrooms oh. that's just weird do not bug your own bedroom do not bug your own bathroom that's just weird oh, wow. but they did and they're having this conversation and then his phone rings and it's one of his employees halfway across the country and he says hold on a second let me get this let me see what this guy needs and the guy says um your alexa device uh your it just um, sent me your conversation," he said. "What? No," <laughs> and he said. "Yeah, I, I got it as a as a as an MP3 file," and he said. "No," he said. "Y'all are talking about hardwood floors and what types of hardwood floors," and he quoted back to him parts of the conversation. Oh, the guy turns to his wife, <clears throat> says, "You need to hear this." Puts it on speakerphone, and the guy starts reiterating more of what he's just heard, and the wife gets up from the conversation while the guy is still talking, walks to every room in the house, unplugs those gosh darn things and shoves them in a box, right? By the time, now, initially Google was like, no, that couldn't have happened. And then Google was like, well, it was a glitch. And the Google was like, <laughs> we're, glad, we're glad to give you back your money on all those devices if you'll just leave us alone, right? <laughs> because, because everybody was talking about this for a minute there. And that's the problem. It's for a minute, but the convenience of being able to say, Alexa, dim the lights in the living room. Yeah, Alexa, play my favorite song. The convenience of that is something for which too many people are still willing to give up their privacy. Um, but I think that illustrates that absolutely. So here's what had happened in that. Finally, Amazon got back to them and explained their best guess at what happened. <clears throat> something in their conversation sounded to Alexa like, Alexa, send this conversation to so-and-so, to which Alexa is supposed to respond. Send conversation to so-and-so, and they would have had to say yes. Now, they went back and listened to the recordings, and they can't find anything that sounds like that, but the very fact that Alexa is programmed to be able to do that means that you don't have control not even over your own conversations if they're being had in the presence of a device that is designed to listen and record and connect to the internet. Just think about that combination. This thing can listen to me, it has the ability to record what I'm saying, and it is connected to the outside world through the internet. My conversation can go anywhere. Think about smart TVs. They don't just have microphones. Those some of those things have cameras. Because with some of these smart TVs, I can change stations by going like this in front of the camera. True. Or I can raise the volume or lower the volume, right? I can do all that True. from the camera. <clears throat> that means there's a camera that True. sees me in my living room, you know, watching the ball game in my underwear while I drink my fifth beer within two hours or whatever I'm doing, right? The the, the television that sees me and my wife sitting on the couch watching a movie together when I lean over to kiss her on the cheek or whatever, right? That, that's just weird. And they, the answer is absolutely they see it. Absolutely they hear it. Now, is that a human being somewhere doing that? No, that's not some guy in a fedora wearing a pair of headphones, cheap, smoking a cheap cigar in the basement of your apartment building. No, that's not what's happening. But what is happening is worse than that. A computer is cataloging all of that for later. Exactly. When they can put it all together into a bigger picture and know that you are the enemy. Or you know, at least know your weaknesses.
1: In the other category. Yeah, in the category called other. You're other.
0: <laughs> you are other and they know your weak spots because they know you better than you know yourself and you don't think you've got weak spots but they know you do.
1: Dr. Mitchell Shaw here, we'll be back in a moment. We'll have to thank our sponsors and thank our donors, and um, we'll be continue this conversation. I'm checking the uh, chat line and the uh, uh, hotline, 352-325-3938, for anything you want us to pass along and talk about, we will obviously not exhaust this subject. We'll just scratch the surface, but its uh, uh, surface is pretty interesting because uh, it suggests what is, it's kind of like an iceberg. You know, nine-tenths of the mass of the iceberg is beneath the surface of the water. You only see the top one-tenth. That's sort of where we are right now until we find a Mitchell Shaw or somebody who really studies this stuff and uh, can talk about it with some expertise. Yours truly has some suspicions, as you do, I'm sure, and we'll try to um, get into the validity of those, and it might be more alarming than you even suspected. We'll be right back on the Ward Scott Files in just a moment. This is Ward Scott and I want to thank all our sponsors who keep the show going and pay the bills. The Ward Scott Files Premium Sponsors are, Crime Prevention Security Systems, Large Enough to Serve You, Small Enough to Care. The Ward Scott Files Gold Sponsors are, On The Spot Dry Cleaners, Okita America Martial Arts, r and Construction, and Style Cuts. If you are interested in promoting your business on the show, you can visit our website, www.awardsgodfiles.com, and click on the Advertise Here banner on the right side of the page or call my friend Freddie at 352-284-3733. Again, thank you to all the great businesses that support the Wards Files. And remember, if you like the show, thank our sponsors and support the businesses that support us. If your brains were lard, you couldn't
0: grease a small frying pan. <laughs> to call you stupid would be an insult to stupid people.
1: Octon, Octon, the papers are not in order. Step out of the line and report to the inspection station. We are going to search your belongings. Mach schnell! At warthog. He's going to come up the steps. Up the steps. Here he comes. Oh my goodness, and he's huge. Hello, boy. wonder if we can pet him. Hi, boy. Can we touch him? No, don't. Help me, help, help. Ken Cornell, known as the thin-skinned boy and Cornell, known as Mini Mike and Cornell, wears elevator shoes and Cornell, he just wants to be like Once again, I've said it and I've said it on the record and I'll say it on the record and I've said it on the record and I'll say it on the record and keep saying it on the record. And I've said it on the record and I'll say it on the record and I've said it on the record and I'll say it on the record and keep saying it on the record. Welcome back to Ward Scott File, Professor Ward Scott here in the Warthog Manly Command Center in the Piney Woods of North Central Florida, God's country. A little rainy, but it's abated somewhat. I think we're gonna be uh, right on schedule with our power. I don't anticipate any drop offs here because of lightnings or worst case scenario, I suppose would be tornadoes, which unfortunately have struck uh, the city of New Orleans and some other places. So we're always mindful of of that and hope you're enjoying some uh, comfort right now. Problem with Mitchell Shaw, whom I refer to as Mitch, uh, who is speaking to us um, uh, from North Carolina. And uh, we're having an interesting conversation that you all are participating in to quite a degree about uh, what are the issues today with all this uh, technology we have, uh, which is um, really ubiquitous. It's everywhere. Uh, and we're talking about the internet uh, and all the things that have been spinoffs and of it and developments that have come from it, some of which are maybe beneficial, but many of which have um, hidden kinds of uh, uh, considerations that uh, are very difficult to be mindful of. Um, a couple of things that come to my mind, uh, Mitch, is I you talking about the Internet, and I remember the first conversation I ever had with um, it was a former student of mine. And uh, we were sitting in a restaurant and uh, we were just chatting and he had grown up and become an employee of the university. And he was in the research world over there. And he said to me, and I didn't get a, I didn't get a, I couldn't imagine what he was talking about. He said, Ward, uh, if you can you imagine the world with a spider net? A spider web of light all over it. And I said, what are you talking about? A spider web of light all over the world? He said, yeah, it's going to be called the internet. And in the beginning advertisements of that, Mitch, I still remember there was a young female figure that would step out of a kind of a gray background, a bland gray background with a black kind of cape and hat on, and then step back into it, who was advertising the arrival of the internet. (laughs) Looking back on it, I recall it now as wow. And that I suppose, the first memory of it I can I can remember of it coming into our college and taking the typewriters off our desk uh, was r- probably around the early eighties. I think maybe that's when we began to transition into, until then we had the big mainframes and they kept all, right. the, all the data and everything. Then we got this pocket size thing and now we've got it boiled down to our handheld phone. And you know, I often go to what I would term international events like the U.S. Open, which is truly an international event. Uh, People from all over the world come to watch the players from all over the world. And I'll be darned that you've seen this, too. If not every single person walking has got his or her nose in the phone. I mean, it is the most. You know, it is everywhere. And then you factor in all the different languages and you factor in all the different communication systems and this spider web of light comes to mind. I, that's that's my, that's my comment. I guess it's just a social observation. I don't know what else to do with the, with the, with the observation, but that it's certainly become everywhere is what my, every nook and cranny.
0: Absolutely. And, you know, I have a, I have a a random observation, a social observation. Um, So, Often, and, and I even do it, everybody does it. We use the, the term or the words <clears throat> internet and web interchangeably. But the internet and the World Wide Web are not the same thing. And the easiest way to understand it, because people ask me this all the time, well, then what's the difference? What's the difference between the internet and the web? And the easy way to understand that is, let's look at the word internet. We start with the word network. So at your university, all your, when you first got computers there, they were all networked together. You mentioned a mainframe, right? right. So you, you could have shared a file with someone on the other side of the building, but you couldn't reach outside the building, right? So that's a network. Well, the internet is an inter-network. It's a network of networks. It's just the ability for computers to communicate with each other all across the world. The web are the websites that are built on using the internet to connect to the web, right? So think of the internet as software and the web as hardware, right? Or I'm sorry, I have it backward. The internet as hardware and the web as software. So you have to have the hardware, the ability to network together with all these. All these computers, so that you can reach out to a server somewhere that has a piece of software on it that shows you this video, or shows you the newamerican.com, or shows you coca cola.com, or whatever else. And so that's the difference between the internet and the web. And the, look, I'm not a Luddite, I love technology. I have always loved technology. I was that kid in 1982 or three. When everybody got digital watches for Christmas that year. And some of them had video games on You can play Pac-Man. You could play Pac-Man on your on your wrist like you need that. Um, but everybody got digital watches that year for Christmas. And uh during recess, I I was standing over to the side w- with a line of kids coming up to me, they're all handing me their watches, and I'm setting up their watches and handing them back to them. I was I've always been that kid. You got a VCR in 1984, and it, you know, in 1987 it was still flashing 12 because you didn't know how to program the darn thing. You, I don't know if you remember that, right? Yeah. Everybody's house, you went in their VCR it was flashing 12, so they couldn't record their programs while they were away because you had to program the um the VCR first. So I'd come over to your house, and five minutes later your clock is correct, and you can rec- you can record Days of Our Lives while you're at work tomorrow. <laughs> like you need to record Days of Our Lives, but whatever. Uh, General Hospital was way better. Uh, anyway, um, all soap operas are stupid. And if you watch soap operas, I, I didn't mean to offend you, but that's still true. Um, <laughs> but so I've always loved technology. I've just always done this. Uh, and I'm not, I'm not anti-tech. I'm just, I want to control the tech that I use, right? Uh, because if, if you don't control it, if someone else does, then they are in control. And once your data leave your hands, they've left your control. Well,
1: we've got a question, too, that's kind of a spinoff of that, and I've always wondered this, okay. too. Um, yes, you know, the old riddle, uh, curse or a blessing. We've got this whole generation of young'uns who have never made change on their own, if you will.
0: <laughs> I'm serious. Oh, like, go to the store. We're going to talk about all my little hot-button issues today, aren't we, Ward? Okay. <laughs> so, so I, my mother uh, managed businesses, small businesses, restaurants, gas stations, things like that. My, my whole childhood, that's what my mom did. And in fact, a couple of, couple of instances of her owning her own restaurant. And from the time I was probably seven or eight years old, certainly by the time I was eight, I could count back change from a hundred dollar bill because I was taught, okay, it was $13 and 25 cents. So you hand them 75 cents and you say 14 15, 25, 35, 45, 55, on up like that, right? You count back the change. And you wind up back at 95, 100. They gave you 100. You've given them back the balance of 100 minus 13.75 or whatever it was. And I've just always done how to do that. You go now and just as a social experiment like nobody pays with cash anymore so first you're going to be weird the moment you do this the moment you pay with cash <laughs> everybody's going to look at you like you're crazy but but your viewers your listeners should do this the next time you go somewhere pay in cash make it a habit to do this once in a while and say for instance it's a $19.85 or it's $13.75 hand them a $20 bill right after they've hit the button and they're ready to give you back the change, go, oh, wait, 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 I've got 25 cents here, and watch them. They can't do it. They can't. Their mind just melts down on the spot. They're like, I, um, they will either get your change wrong, or they'll pull out their phone to fire up a calculator, or they'll call the manager over there. But once in a blue moon, they'll just go, oh, okay, and hand you back the correct change. In all likelihood, they're getting ready to mess up because they can't do it. They've never had to. They didn't <laughs> learn to do it. And in fact, I, I, I hear I hear people now say things like, "You know, your change is thirteen dollars with twenty-five cents." What is with <laughs> what is with twenty? And how about and twenty-five cents? That would be great. It because and is the decimal. We learned this in school. You don't say. $1,325. You say $1,325 <laughs> and however many cents, because and is the decimal. But I digress.
1: <laughs> so the larger question is: is somebody a brainiac has picked up on right away? Has this resulted in a loss of stimulation, critical thinking skills, and has this dumbed oh. down education? Uh, you know, it's really a deep hole here we're digging now to get into. Yeah, my wife
0: was ahead of this curve. I, I was a little slow on the uptake. Um, my-, my early on, early on, my wife was like, "Look, I don't want because we we've always homeschooled our kids. I, I don't want the kids on computers uh, until they're a certain age, right? I want them doing everything tactile, actual books, actual pencils, actual pens uh, until they're older, and you know whatever age we chose that to be for each of them, and then." slowly work them into using computers for specific tasks. But as far as like everything is done all day long on a computer, uh, someone recently, it wasn't recently, it was a couple of years ago now, did a study uh, because I don't know if you know this. You remember Legos, Lego blocks? They're still around right, they're a right, big, big right, deal. Right. Legos aren't going anywhere. They got, because you, you got to leave something on the floor for dad to step on at three o'clock in the morning, right? Um, <laughs> so Legos are a big deal, but but Lego, the company actually now has, there's a Lego app and a Lego website, and there are Lego software products that you can buy where you, quote, build Legos on a screen, right? So they turned a bunch of three, four, and five-year-olds, I think it was three, four, and five-year-olds loose, building with all this Lego stuff, and the things that these kids would be able to build on the screen was pretty cool. Then they handed those kids Legos. They couldn't do it, Ward. Really? Really? They could not do in real life what they had literally just been doing on the screen because they didn't understand the spatial relationship between this Lego and that Lego. The depth, the width, they just couldn't, they couldn't put it together. Once they actually started building with straight up Legos, they were able to build with straight up Legos. But the screen, what, they, what happened on the screen did not translate to what happens in the real world and I think that's probably true across the board with a lot of these things, Ward. Uh, and so that was a good question for, from your viewer there. Yeah, I think it has dumbed people down. I think it is, We've reached a place where we are wiring the brain toward virtualness, not realness, right? We can see it on the screen. And there's a dangerous element, a, a dangerous moral element in that too. Because uh, on a video game, I can do anything I want to anybody else on the video game. That's just pixels on a screen. But once I've encoded that and I take that same attitude and that same behavior into the world, right? We used to talk about road rage, right? Road rage is when there's nothing between you and the person that you're screaming and yelling at except a piece of glass, your windshield. You would never act that way in the grocery store with a shopping cart. Why do you act that way with a car? Because you've separated yourself from that person by you know, a few millimeters of glass and some air in between, and then another few millimeters of glass, and then there's that person. So your window, the area between your cars, and then their window, right? But we see internet rage all the time. The moment two people disagree with each other on the internet, one of them is a Nazi, the other one is a and then boy, it escalates quickly. Within five minutes, the the you know, they're cursing each other out and screaming and now it's all caps and blah, blah, blah. Why? Because we put a piece of glass in between ourselves. I, you're not a person. You're just an avatar on a screen that I can talk to any way I want to. And we've lost the ability to communicate. We see this. We see this in public with people making eye contact. Come on, Ward. You're old enough to remember when people were, They you would just stop and chat. You're just leaned up against the, uh, the 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 cabbage bin in the grocery store talking to somebody that you just met three minutes ago. You started talking about cabbage and now you're talking about the grandkids and you're talking about the car and the ball game and I, nobody does that anymore. Because everybody is so big. Hold on hold on hold on I'll get back. And you know they can't have oh oh I'm interacting with somebody clear on the other side of the planet about something I don't actually care about. Right while there's a real human being standing in front of me with whom I could be interacting, but I don't know how to do that. So if you go to the other side of the store and text me, we can have a conversation.
1: Well, it's, 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 uh, I think all of us can share experiences like that where you have, I think got a very good analogy there that the, um, glass separation enables people to be rude to each other. And, and in many, many ways, um, in fact, uh, the Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas just had an article about this and said that really what the society is missing is manners. Um, And if we just had more civility and manners, but I guess following the logic you and I are exploring here, um, the abstraction developed by these um, things we have available to us to communicate have really rendered manners irrelevant uh, in many ways because you're not interpersonal relating on a, you know, and this leads to another question I've been holding backers come in, you know, to what extent, and this is kind of a scary question because it's exponential, I guess, you extrapolate or whatever's the word. Are we going to be subservient to artificial intelligence in the future because it keeps <clears throat> growing and we keep diminishing? I see that. I see that graph. Am I wrong on that, Mitch?
0: No, I don't think you're wrong. So, um, you know, I don't know that it's going to come down to the Terminator, okay? <clears throat> But I don't think it has to come down to the Terminator. I think that the more we become dependent on technology to do things that we used to know how to do and were able to do. So I'm going to take something really, really simple because uh, we're talking about social interaction here. So let's let's keep this to social interaction for a second because – That's something that, okay, maybe, maybe you have viewers and listeners that were never able to, I don't know, change their own oil. So they don't care that they don't know how to change their oil now, right? Uh, That's something fathers used to teach sons, but then we started, you know, Jiffy Lube or whatever. Okay. There's an easier way to do this. Maybe some of those things, but we all live in a world where there are other people because, well, no, I can safely say that because hermits aren't listening to your show. So, okay, we're good. Uh, we all live in a world, everybody listening to this, lives in a world where you interact with other people, right? And today, uh, if, I am, if I do explode all over you on Facebook, right? Facebook's algorithm is going to catch that. Or you're going to click the report button, and the technology is going to block me from doing that again. I don't hold myself accountable. A person doesn't actually hold me accountable. I am unable to continue screaming at you because I got put in Facebook jail. If I tweet something I oughtn't have tweeted, whether it's something I really actually oughtn't have tweeted or not, or it's just something the masters don't like, I don't know, like a year ago, Hunter Biden's laptop, right? If I tweet something like that, it's just never going to show up. The algorithm is going to stop that for me. Consequently, I have, if I fall into that trap, and I'm just using myself as an example, I could very easily forget how to mind my own manners, how to treat other people as other people, how to treat other people as also being made in the image of God as a human person, right? So the problem that we come into there is that the technology is artificially doing for me what I used to have to do for myself. And it's the same thing with memory. Come on, Ward, you used to remember everybody's phone number. You reached over on the wall, you pulled off the phone. Oh, and look, I'm making a dialing because we, we're old, right? We actually dialed numbers. We didn't even push buttons. But you'd, you'd take the phone off and you'd be like, oh, I need to call Bill. And you'd just dial Bill's phone number and then Bill would answer the phone. How many people's phone numbers do you know right now? Off the top of your head, if you really had to think about, like, how many numbers could you just dial from a, a phone that is not your mobile phone?
1: Well, even m- numbers more, there's, there's so many numbers, let's throw them in the, p- in, in the pile too, Mitch. Not- well, let's and, throw right. them in the pile. But the thing is,
0: I don't have to remember people's phone numbers because right. I touch a picture of their face on my screen right. and it automatically dials them, right? I don't have to remember their numbers. I don't actually have to remember their names as long as I've got their picture, right? Um, And so we have forgotten how to do that. I used to know everybody's phone number. I knew the phone numbers of the businesses that I called on a regular basis. And if I didn't, I knew how to use the phone book and look it up, right? Now, nobody remembers anything. We don't remember how to do this or how to do that because we've got it all artificially remembered for us by a device that... Man, if, you're, if you drop your phone in a water puddle tomorrow, you're going to have a bad
1: few days. That's true. we got just a couple of minutes left. i got a question. I don't know what these uh, uh, letters stand for. Perhaps you do. ESG. Supposedly, that's a new threat. It's dubbed, dubbed ESG. You ever heard of that? I haven't never heard of that. Can he speak to the new threat dubbed ESG? I don't know. Evidently, neither of us can.
0: I'm going to say no. Um, oh, unless he's talking about environmental, social, and corporate governance. Um, no, no, I'm sorry. I can't. No. Uh, I, this is, I'm going to be that rare guy who just says, I don't know.
1: I don't know. I don't know what you're talking about. I know this is a very intelligent, avid listener. He's checked in with us forever. And uh, he probably knows something we don't know, so maybe, maybe we'll... Well,
0: if he'll get back to you and explain what he's talking about, I, I I frankly would just love to know more about it myself. So so please, please get back and let Ward know, and Ward, pass that along to me.
1: I will. Listen, we're going to run out of time. It's been great talking with you, Mitch, and uh, hope we can do this again sometime in the future. Uh, just check in and kind of have a chat like this and let our listeners absolutely uh, uh, share what, uh, what we come up with. And uh, we've got a lot of topics, but this has been a fascinating topic, and... Uh, it's been on a lot of people's minds and I've learned a lot today. And I'm, uh, I, when I went to get my coffee heated up, I said to my wife, unplug Alexa. <laughs> <laughs> ah, there you go. Get rid of that thing, man. You can live without
0: it. You don't need that. Yeah. You don't need Alexa, that.
1: I don't need to ask you to play Hank. Williams, you? <laughs> if,
0: if your listeners want to know more about my podcast or just take a deeper dive into how they can protect their privacy. I'm actually doing a whole series right now on my podcast of how to de-google your life, starting with, uh, you know, your web browser and your search engine, your email provider, all these different things. And I'm just going to go down the rabbit trail for as many episodes as that takes. My, my podcast is called Enemy of the Surveillance State. You can find it anywhere you listen to podcasts. So be sure to check it out. And if you like it, subscribe. Uh, that way you get notifications when I put
1: up a new episode. Well, if you send us a link, we'll put it up on the side here. Uh, I'll do you, it. Yeah, send us a link. We'll put it on the website. Okay, we're going to see Mitchell Shaw, which I'm whom I call Mitch and is a great conversationalist, has a lot of expertise and a lot of things, writes for the New American and has his own podcast and we've enjoyed talking with him. We've enjoyed you tuning in. Of course, we'll be out on various platforms in a minute. uh, Wardscottfiles.com, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, all that business. So we're trying to spread the word and you're helping us by supporting us. So Mitch, have a great day. Uh, We'll talk to you soon. Warthog Command Center out.